This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenhill, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Pre-Survenana. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Hi, on today's episode of Answer Your Unique Calling podcast, I have with me Sam Wickham. Sam Wickham is a full-time farmer and mother who runs Foxhole Farm, a regenerative farm in Brookville, Ohio, with her husband. Having a background in culinary arts, the majority of Sam's energy is spent cooking for both business and pleasure. She enjoys sharing the unique lifestyle of her family's first-generation farm through her writing. You can find more on Sam and Foxhole Farm at foxholefarmohio.com and on Instagram at foxholefarmer. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me, Julian. Yeah, absolutely. So um, your bio mentions that you do regenerative farming. And so for the listeners who aren't familiar with that, tell me a little bit about what is regenerative farming. Sure. So regenerative is a word that doesn't quite have um, a designation like organic might, right? Or a certification process at this point. It's more of a philosophy. Um, So how I would describe regenerative is... It, it describes the way that we uh, manage our land and our lifestyle of farming. So the way that we do that in the regenerative, you know, under the regenerative philosophy is we sort of farm in tandem with the ecosystem that we occupy, right? So instead of using um, sprays or uh, synthetic fertilizer or anything like that, we we try to run our farm uh, within the cycles of the seasons, and we plant what is um, what w- will thrive in a given season, and we try to pay attention to the climate that we exist within as well. So by doing this, everything kind of keeps its own balance, so we don't find the need for pesticides and that sort of thing. And, you know, this includes the the way we live as well. So um, it makes it easier on us to grow things within their season so that we're not forcing kale, for example, a cold weather crop to grow in the summer, which would take a lot more work to keep it happy and healthy. So all of that um, sort of is summed up by just saying that we are trying to pay attention to our surroundings and use what's available to us in that system, you know, whether it's birds or beneficial insects that, you know, either pollinate our plants or prey on each other. Uh, and, and in that way, it makes our job a little bit easier and more enjoyable. Wow, that's amazing. So it sounds like you're just sort of leveraging the the things that nature already gives you and just using that to the maximum, which, you know, in human design, I talk a lot about how we leverage our gifts and our uniqueness as well to the maximum effect. So how long have you been doing this for? So we have been running Foxhole Farm since April of 2018. Uh, That's, it's our own venture since 2018. 
Uh, we've been farming since about 2011. So neither of us, my husband nor I, grew up with a an agricultural background, but we both sort of stumbled our way into that world way back, however many years ago that is now, 11 years. Wow. Amazing. So when you were, you know, you mentioned that you didn't have a background in farming. And so, you know, normally you hear about farmers that grew up as farmers, you know, in farming families, and they continued on that tradition. So what called you to farming originally? That's a very good question. I, you know, you could, I could go all the way back to my childhood when my folks got me very interested in paying attention to the outdoor world, whether it was gardening with my mom or taking us to feed the birds up in Michigan. Um, so, so maybe a seed was planted back then, but the actual, um, career of farming kind of entered my scene when I was in culinary school in the Hudson Valley of New York. I went to the Culinary Institute of America right out of high school. And when I was out there, I was cooking, uh, whether it was at school or outside of school and restaurants in the area. And I was so inspired by how good food tasted that had been harvested from the locale. That was something that was a very big thing back then in the Hudson Valley, eating local. And I, I just got so excited. You hardly had to do anything to the ingredients when they were just harvested and they were in their element, right? In their season. Um, and, and so that inspiration got me excited enough to start volunteering on a farm there. And I was becoming disenchanted, I'll admit, with the hours and the rigors of cooking in, in professional kitchens. So it was all kind of, it came in at just the right time, this inspiration to still work with my hands, but in a different capacity. So that's about when um, that love was born, I would say. Great. Yeah. So that sounds so interesting, is really interesting to me because part of the process that I take clients through and discovering their unique calling is, of course, First of all, like going through that life story and finding those themes, like you mentioned, you know, that like outdoor appreciation that you had as a younger age. And then there's usually like this point of dissatisfaction with what they're doing, which you also kind of called out having in the restaurants. So that's really amazing. So what what all do you do with Foxhole Farm now? Ooh, we it's just whatever it's going to be. We like to uh, we started just growing produce and uh, baking sourdough bread. My husband is a fermentation um, king. So we started just with some basics because that was what we could do when we first moved onto the land. Um, we Vegetables, you can get started right away. You know, we moved there in the spring. You get seeds in the ground. A month later, you can have lettuce coming out. So that's how we started. And we also raise um, hair sheep on our 30 acres. So we're growing that part of the operation. Uh, so we're raising sheep that'll eventually be harvested for grass fed lamb. And then they just play such an important part in the whole picture of our farm as well. So they are responsible for grazing and sort of quote unquote managing, you know, a large acreage of our property. Um, and so yes, to get back to that. So primarily produce and we do some baking and we will eventually have lamb in the mix but we're we like to play around we like to have it be a free form farm where whatever is brought to us 
for example, a tree trimmer neighbor always has these, um, this excess wood from, you know, his line of work and he lives right down the street. So he just dropped off loads and loads of wood chips. So we got thinking about, we should bring mushrooms back into our lives, which we hadn't grown in a while. So now we have a shiitake yard going, which is great. So I don't know if I can come up with a very succinct, you know, streamlined answer, but um, what we're known for at this point is regeneratively grown produce and bread, granola, and hopefully mushrooms this year. Wow. Amazing. I love that you have taken like this very playful approach to your business and you sort of let it unfold very organically. That's really wonderful. Yeah. We, I think one thing we learned working for other folks um, on other properties and with all of our excitement, we just learned, you know, you can force something to be, and it's a lot more difficult when you approach things that way. But we, we really learned that you have to get to know what is my land conducive to growing, what wants to grow here, what are the exact, exact climatic conditions that, you know, would help what to thrive, right? So we wanted to pay attention to that. And then it's not just us either. We don't just exist to feed ourselves. So how do we plug into the community? What what need is there? What would they like to see? So we came to market with, you know, okra and lettuce and all, you know, and just after one year, we really learned, okay, you know, we don't, we don't really have an okra crowd here at this point. <laughs> so maybe we won't grow too much more of that at the moment. Um, so we really like to just allow it to be what uh, is good for us, but also desired by our community too. Great. Wonderful. So um, I know that you've still kind of do some culinary stuff. You mentioned the granola and the bread baking, and I know you've done some catering. And so how big of a part does that sort of aspect of, you know, culinary still feel to you? It's interesting. I, I mean, our whole lives seem to be um, geared toward food, of, you know, in some one way or another, right? A lot of that time is spent growing it and preparing it for market. And then as far as the preparing, um, like prepared foods, right? So the alchemy of cooking and involving that. I uh, I still engage in cooking classes here and there at a few local spots when I can. And then I am cooking constantly. We haven't spoken too much about the little, little ones at the farm, but having two young kids and then the two of us, I feel that a lot of my time is occupied just making sure uh, those really, they're always hungry, mouths are fed, you know? And then as far as the catering aspect and the professional creative side of cooking, that's just started to enter back into my life after uh, Jack is about to turn two. So now that he can um, ride on dad's back while I get some things done, I'm, I'm so excited to invite a little bit more of that back into my life. So the winter is really my time for, for catering with my full attention on it, right? So um, I would say a couple times a month whenever I get, you know, get the call, I try to answer it. Great. Wonderful. So, the, you know, the, I, the thing about like Jack riding around with, with, with your husband and sort of being able to focus on things brings me to how do you juggle it all? Like, how do you juggle raising two small children and running you know, keeping the farm going and also doing all the marketing and, you know, you're, you're the primary voice mm. 
for Foxhole Farm, you do social media, you do all of that for the farm as well. So how do you juggle it all? It's a good question. To be honest, <clears throat> the beginning, sort of like I mentioned with what are we going to grow? What seeds should we purchase for this first year? It was just kind of throwing a bunch of things at the wall that we were excited about and seeing where they stuck. And it was the same thing with being parents too, right? Like we had one child, May, already, and she was one when we started the farm. And we thought it'll be the same with Jack and he'll ride along. And so I'll just do the same amount of work and he'll just be sleeping on my back. Well, one kid is very different from the next, right? And um, we're not gods. We don't know how it's all going to play out. So now I've, I've learned so much from these past few years about just like I described our farm being freeform, allowing our lives to be that way and having a bit of a structure because we need to stay sane. But also just saying, you know, compartmentalizing, saying this is what needs to get done and this is what I want and somewhere in my subconscious think I need to get done, right? And so um, I think it's that being organized enough to say, you know, there are certain times of the week that I need to get X, Y, or Z done, having a schedule and then saying, you know, these next few years while Jack is still learning English and <laughs> learning to take care of himself, I mean, he's two, it might not be the year to grow exponentially and, and start all of the new project ideas we have. So I think really slimming down the expectations I have of myself and being okay with there being a little bit of a mess around literally or mentally and when it feels messy to take some time to sit and rest and then sort through it so keeping a bit of structure to just keep up with the commitments we have but seeing where how much energy do i have to take on you know the next things i want to jump into yeah, great. That's wonderful. Like so few business people talk about protecting their energy or checking in with their energy. They just want to work through it all and do more and do more and grow faster. And it sounds like you're taking this very holistic approach and being very aware of your own energy. So, wow. Yeah. You know, a big reason why we wanted to work for ourselves after having managed farms for other entities or folks is we... We feel that we live during a time where there's all too much expected of of everyone, whether that's society or what they expect of themselves, or even the unfortunate high cost of living that, you know, you bills, you know, are more than maybe they used to be insurance, all of this. So we wanted to be in control of our quality of life. I mean, if we're going to go take this leap into entrepreneurship and having our own business and um, I, I enjoyed uh, the nature of the work and the idea that I signed up for managing this land and teaching and that sort of thing. But I, in my seven years of farming, I hadn't worked that many hours or worked that hard as I did at, at that location. And, um, and it, there, it was never enough. It was never enough. And I was so physically worn and mentally worn and there was one night that Rich and I said, well, we weren't planning on taking the leap this soon, but it's that or stay here and maybe use up my energy reserves that could be spent on our own venture. And we just said, it's time, you know, and it just felt right. And it was, it's nice that I got to make that decision 
with another person. So it was uh, validated, if you will. And it wasn't just an emotional decision, but you know what? Uh, we, we make plans, right? But then different things get brought to us or, or even taken from us. And so we just decided we have the experience, we have growing skills, and we'll use this little nest egg and go. Yeah, because you know? yeah, if you wait for it to be perfect, it'll never, it'll never come, right? Right. Yeah. Right. If we waited for May to grow up, then maybe we'd be too, you know, old and lazy and wouldn't want to start. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what advice do you have for someone who is in this same situation where maybe they're doing something else for a living that they don't love, they know they want to do something else, but they just haven't made that leap or are afraid to make that leap? What would you, what would you offer to them? I would say something that really worked for me was, you know, p- folks were excited in our lives about what we were about to do and the leap we were about to take, but you could sense that there was some worry, right? When when someone cares about you and they're not in your own shoes judging, do we have the experience? Are we ready for this? There's that, oh, this, I hope it doesn't break their heart or I hope they don't struggle or this or that. And I would say you really have to reach inward and sit with, you know, sit with someone, sit with your confidant or whoever it may be, and just really take time to sit with yourself and say, am I willing to work a little hard, you know, to make this work in the beginning? And do I have the tools I need as a person or maybe even physically to do this? And I think, you know, not making a decision on an emotional day, um, but making one after a good few nights or weeks of sleep, um, it'll, it, it'll present itself to you. I think a lot of folks either, you know, we talked about forcing things to be, and I think, you know, out of resentment of their position, some people might try to force something to be before something has been really cooked or presented, brought to fruition. So there was a long time there at, you know, this one place where I was not very happy, but I, what, what's the right thing to do? And I vacillated and I sat with it and it just became so clear that there really wasn't another way to go. So I would say definitely enlist the people you're closest with and voice these things and mull them over because there's no doubt that there's stress involved with big life changes. But I'll tell you, like, I'll take those stresses we went through any day in 2018. I can't imagine the other, the ongoing stress if of my life before we decided to do this. And when you are coming from a place of good intention and love and pursuing these things of love, something good generally comes, you know? So, That's, I think the key is not, you know, just wanting a different life, but not knowing what it is. If that's where you are, I would say, you know, sit with it for a bit, let something, you know, come before you take a jump into maybe a darker abyss than the abyss we jumped into. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wonderful. So, and what advice do you have for people who are trying to juggle having a family and starting or running a business like, like you did. Yeah. Well, I would say that I'm very happy with 
the life that we've provided for the kiddos, you know, just to start there. I am too hard on myself when it comes to being a parent. I really take that, I don't know if you want to call it a job or or what, but I take that hat that I wear very seriously and I never want the kids to see me working too hard, right? I don't want them to be encouraged to, oh my gosh, my mom was just working, working, working to make this life happen, right? Um, so anyhow, my I guess when it comes to overall advice on juggling the parenting and working and entrepreneurship in particular, it's make space for your top priorities, which to me is bringing little ones into the world and showing them and empowering them, um, showing them how to think for themselves and that sort of thing. Um, and I would also say that the beginning years are just the years are the most dependent and they're not going to need you nearly as much as they do from one to three. So I think in the beginning I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm never going to have time to expand on my catering or, you know, start our mushroom yard or this or that. But really, you know, May at five is helping take care of Jack and plays next to me while I'm, you know, doing things out on the farm. So I would also say don't uh, think that you can't do, you know, juggle multiple things. Um, But the closing and maybe most important thing I would say is steer clear of the you should get a pat on the back for doing it all at once mentality because I do think that there's no definition of, you know, what makes a good mom or a dad as far as their duties and that sort of thing. But I think a big mistake is putting the pressure on yourself to maintain so much at once. And I know I did that a bit in the beginning, just thinking I can do everything I did before kids with them. They just hang on my back like little monkeys. Um, But there's so much energy that goes into that, that it's, it's too much for one person, right? So I would say the first few years, if there's any way for you to, you know, take things off of your plate while they're the most dependent they'll be, that was, that's something looking back that I wish I could have tapped myself on the shoulder and just said, it's okay. Just, you know, (laughs) you're exhausted. (laughs) Stop doing more. Stop making more granola. So anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Like just stop doing more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. Don't you agree? I mean, I think our culture is like moms can do this and this and this and this. They can. They can. And I've seen it. You know, my mom was great. She took on the world and raised us at the same time. But I do think that you sh- maybe shouldn't. You maybe shouldn't yeah. do that in the, especially in the early years. There'll be a time when they don't even want to like s- hang with you. They're too cool, and <laughs> that's when I'll <laughs> be cooking a lot more. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's great that um, husbands are more involved in t- helping with the kids now. Like when I grew up, my dad really had very little to do with it. Like yeah. it was all on mom. Like you know, oh my it was, gosh, it was all on her. So, oh, yeah. mama. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's something too. One big thing, I can't believe I didn't say this before, is Rich and I talk about it a lot. Families used to be raised in within communities that like literally lived with each other or right next to each other, right? So it wasn't even just two people taking care of their babies. It was, you know, this mom will take a turn. She takes 
you know, the kids, well, this mom goes and I always say like, pick some berries or like picks bugs out of her hair. Like it's, you need at least two people. And I wish that was more, I wish there were more resources available to parents for, for that sort of thing, rather than the extreme measures of driving 40 minutes to get to, you know, daycare or whatever. Um, so I would say teamwork. Oh my gosh. Teamwork. It doesn't matter who makes up the team, but like trusted loved ones, you know, working together because it's, it seems like way too much for, (laughs) for two people. Yeah. It's that whole, it takes a village, right? Because we, we used to be way more communal before we sort of moved into cities and started being strangers to our neighbors. Yes. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Sam, I really, you've, you've shared a lot of really great, interesting insight into entrepreneurship and juggling it with a family and fascinated by the regenerative farming piece. So really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I always love our conversations, but sitting with you in this capacity and sharing with others is pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how can people get a hold of you if they want to Ooh, learn more? Good question. I better not say it wrong. Okay. So we, um, we have a website. It's foxholefarmohio.com. And we have just about all of our information there. We also are on Instagram at foxholefarmer. And that's, that's about it for now. Uh, we like to, like I said, take some things off of our plate and streamline. So you can reach me there as well. You'll see my um, contact information, my email and all of that. So certainly be in touch. Sounds great. Yeah. So, and uh, we'll see you at the Oakwood market. If you're in the Oakwood, Ohio area, come summer. Yes. Yeah. yes. It can't come soon enough. Great. Although I'll take this time for a little breather. Yeah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> that was Sam Wickham on the Answering Your Unique Calling podcast. The kids to see me working too hard, right? I don't want them to be encouraged to, oh my gosh, my mom was just working, working, working to make this life happen, right? Um, so anyhow, my I guess when it comes to overall advice on juggling the parenting and working and entrepreneurship in particular, it's make space for your top priorities, which to me is bringing little ones into the world and showing them and empowering them, um, showing them how to think for themselves and that sort of thing. Um, and I would also say that the beginning years are just the years are the most dependent and they're not going to need you nearly as much as they do from one to three. So I think in the beginning I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm never going to have time to expand on my catering or, you know, start our mushroom yard or this or that. But really, you know, May at five is helping take care of Jack and plays next to me while I'm, you know, doing things out on the farm. So I would also say, don't, uh, think that you can't do, you know, juggle multiple things. Um, but the closing and maybe most important thing I would say is steer clear of the, you should get a pat on the back for doing it all at once mentality, because I do think that there's no definition of, you know, what makes a good mom or a dad as far as their duties and that sort of thing. But I think a big mistake is putting the pressure on yourself to maintain so much at once. And 
I know I did that a bit in the beginning, just thinking I can do everything I did before kids with them. They just hang on my back like little monkeys. Um, but there's so much energy that goes into that, that it's, it's too much for one person, right? So I would say the first few years, if there's any way for you to, you know, take things off of your plate while they're the most dependent they'll be, that was, that's something looking back that I wish I could have tapped myself on the shoulder and just said, it's okay. Just, you know, (laughs) you're exhausted. (laughs) Stop doing more. Stop making more granola. So anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Like just stop doing more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. Don't you agree? I mean, I think our culture is like moms can do this and this and this and this. They can, they can. And I I've seen it, you know, my mom was great. She took on the world and raised us at the same time. But I do think that you maybe shouldn't, you maybe shouldn't do that in the, especially in the early years, there'll be a time when they don't even want to like hang with you. They're too cool. And (laughs) that's when I'll (laughs) be cooking a lot more, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think it's great that um, husbands are more involved in helping with the kids now. Like when I grew up, my dad really had very little to do with it. Like it was all on mom. Like, you know, it was was all on her. Oh, mama. Yeah, Yeah. See, and that's something too. One big thing I can't believe I didn't say this before is Rich and I talk about it a lot. Families used to be raised in within communities that like literally lived with each other or right next to each other. Right. So it wasn't even just two people taking care of their babies. It was, you know, this mom will take a turn. She takes, you know, the kids while this mom goes. And I always say like, pick some berries or like picks bugs out of her hair. Like it's, you need at least two people. And I wish that was more, I wish there were more resources available to parents for, for that sort of thing, rather than the extreme measures of driving 40 minutes to get to, you know, daycare or whatever. Um, so I would say teamwork. Oh my gosh. Teamwork. It doesn't matter who makes up the team, but like trusted loved ones, you know, working together because it's, it seems like way too much for, for two people. Yeah. It's that whole, it takes a village, right? Because we, we used to be way more communal before we sort of moved into cities and started being strangers to our neighbors. Yes. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Sam, I really, you've, you've shared a lot of really great, interesting insight into entrepreneurship and juggling it with a family and fascinated by the regenerative farming piece. So really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I always love our conversations, but sitting with you in this capacity and sharing with others is pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Good question. I better not say it wrong. Okay. So we, um, we have a website, it's foxholefarmohio.com and we have just about all of our information there. We also are on Instagram at foxholefarmer. And that's, that's about it for now. Uh, we like to, like I said, take some things off of our plate and streamline. So you can reach me there as well. You'll see my, um, contact information, my email and all of that. So certainly be in touch. Sounds great. Yeah. So, and, uh, we'll see you at the Oakwood market. If you're in the Oakwood, Ohio area, come summer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It can't come soon enough.
Great. Although I'll take this time for a little breather. Yeah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> that was Sam Wickham on the Answering Your Unique Calling podcast. This has been the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast with your host, Julian Crossing Hill, produced by Priest of Inanna, LLC. You can find us on priestofinanna.com. That's priestofinanna, I-N-A-N-N-A.com, or on Instagram at priestofinanna.